It's powerful hearing that. And I'm sure for many of you who are in here today, got a packed room, that's fun. For, for a lot of you, there is this desire in you. I know it's in me. And whether you're living it out or not or feeling regret or disappointment, I really believe in each and every one of us, there is a desire, even as we watch that video, right, of having an amazing legacy. For generations and generations, there would be ripple effects from the life that you live that would influence in a positive way, in a godly way, the generations that are behind you. And it's, it's interesting watching that video. It's one of the reasons we did it because there's people in this room, you might be carrying on a legacy. It's interesting watching a video of my dad where I've been given a different legacy than he was given because of the life him that he and, and my mom have lived, that his life is almost like this stone in the water that is rippled. And as Steve talks about having this legacy that he is carrying on. And the good news is this today, that wherever you're at, God can build something new through your life. Even as we sang, he can bring new wine, that you would be the vessel, you would be a carrier of the new thing that God is doing in your family, in your life, that would sustain generations and generations from now. And it's interesting as you talk about legacy because if you've been around here for a little bit, you've probably recognized that we talk about this quite a bit. I remember giving a message on this if you were here in December called The Power of a Yes. And so as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about, what is something new that we can talk about with legacy? And I was thinking about my family and talking with my parents and what I've realized that we commonly don't talk about is this idea that a huge part of, I know my legacy and many legacies is a generation that contends for their legacy in prayer. That prayer has so much to do with your legacy. As we talk about what is prayer, maybe for some of you that's normal, it's new language, I would say this, prayer is coming to God in your honesty and talking to him, right? I, I think oftentimes, maybe based on your background, prayer can be this ritualistic thing. I can be at family gatherings and someone gets out a list and they pray it, nothing's wrong with that. But I believe more than that, sometimes those ritualistic things can turn into routine and you actually step away from relationship. And when God calls us into prayer, he wants our whole hearts. And as we have this desire for legacy, there's this idea that we can go to him and contend for our families, for our legacies. And today what I wanna talk about is this idea of being a patriarch of prayer in your family or a matriarch. My dad texted me and he said, my mom was a matriarch of prayer for my life. She wasn't perfect. There was a broken family, but she contended and she prayed for my father's life. What is a patriarch? It's the leader, it's the head of the house, it's the one calling the shots that each and every one of us in this room, whether you're a father, right? Whether you're male, whether you're female, whether you're a parent or you're a kid, that all of us, regardless of where we're at in life, we can come in and go to God and become a patriarch of prayer for our family. And I was thinking about, man, who is someone in my life that I've met that has been a patriarch of prayer. And I actually had the opportunity, I was uh, speaking at an FCA camp. Some of you guys are familiar with FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I was up at Alma College. And so there was this group of high school, middle school kids that I got to talk to for a week. And so I was in the Alma dormitories, which I soon discovered do not have AC. And the room is connected with someone else. And so I'm in my dorm and I'm like, I don't know, there's names on the doors. And I'm like, I don't know who this guy is, but I know we're gonna share a bathroom. So we're probably gonna get pretty close. And so I'm in the hallway and this gentleman comes up to me and I, I, I honestly don't remember his name, but I remember a lot about who he was because what I discovered was the reason they put me next to this guy is because he was like assigned to me to pray for me for the whole week. 
they like assigned a prayer guy for me. And this dude, it wasn't an obligation to pray. You could tell this dude prays without ceasing. He's praying all day. And so he grabs me, he goes, Cody, do you care if I just pray for you right now? And we're in the hallway and I'm like, sure, man, go for it. About 10 minutes later, <laughs> he quotes Colossians 2. He memorized it and quoted a whole chapter of scripture over me. And he is just contending with me. And I actually thought like at the end of it, I was like, is this guy a real person or is he like an angel that I can only see? Like that's, I actually was like, is this guy a real person? So that night I wake up the next morning, I go to the bathroom. We had a, our, our, our shower head was broken. He made a contraption to fix it. And there's a sign on the, the thing. And he says, Cody, I went to the bathroom, but I'm only gonna flush at night if it's liquid. Uh, I mean, if it's solid. And so he's like, I didn't wanna wake you. And I'm like, I love this guy. Like he scared out. And so I start getting ready for the day. And all of a sudden I hear in the other room, good morning, Lord. Here I am, God. We just pray for today. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy is like unashamed. He's praying. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. Like it stuck out to me so much. I'm on the, the football field later helping out with some stuff. And he's jogging on the track. And of course I see him. He goes, Cody, I just want you to know I'm jogging the whole campus. This guy's like fit. And he's like, and I'm just praying for you the whole week. I'm praying for the campus. I'm praying for what God's going to do. Why don't we just stop and pray right now? And I'm like, we're going, all right, we're going again. <laughs> I... A patriarch of prayer, right? At the end of the week, after the whole week, I remember we're in the parking lot, like the grass going to the parking lot, right in the middle of campus. And he says to me, you know, Cody, I've been praying for you all week. I'd love it if you would pray for me. And I'm like, oh, I'd be honored to pray for you. And so all of a sudden, this is what he does. Right in the middle of the campus, he goes, okay. <laughs> and so I get down on my knees with him because I'm like, I don't know what to do. I wanna like, so I got down with him and I have my arm around him and we just prayed. And I will never forget this guy. I ended up getting a little bit more information on him. He's been raising support for ministry for the last 30, 40 years. And he's still, him and his wife are sharing the gospel wherever they go, a part of crew ministry. Some of you guys know Campus Crusade. And I was like, man, what a patriarch of prayer and of the word. You could just like sense the presence of God on him. And he just loved the word. And I think there's something powerful that we often miss because even last week, maybe there was some practical wisdom from God's word that you got about being a father or in this series about being a, a parent or a family. But sometimes what we commonly don't talk about that all that's great, but the power of prayer as the foundation of your family has the power to change a legacy. Point number one is this. If you want to change your legacy, become a patriarch of prayer. Some of you might be familiar with the Old Testament. There's patriarchs of the, the faith. We talked about Abraham a, a few weeks ago in the Into the Wild series. There's his son Isaac and Jacob. They're the patriarchs of the Jewish faith and in the lineage of, in the genealogy going to Jesus. But you'd notice something if you've ever read the book of Genesis where many of these characters are, at the end of their lives, they would call their, their, their sons, they would call their daughters to them and they would, they would pray over them as the patriarch, a prayer of blessing or a matriarch. And so there's this idea at the end of their lives, you can read it even in Genesis 49.1, Jacob at the end of his life, he has his 12 sons who represent the 12 tribes of Israel and he called everyone to him. If you go read Genesis 49, I don't have time to, to read all of it. You can see that he blesses and calls out in each one. He speaks a blessing over their life. It even says, then Jacob called for his sons and said, gather around so I can tell you what will happen to you in the days to come. Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob, listen to your father Israel. After he speaks this prayer, and this blessing over him, he ends Genesis 49 saying, all 
These are the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them when he blessed them, giving each the blessing appropriate to him. And so as we talk about today, I want to bring up this idea, wherever you're at in your family structure, are you contending for your family in prayer? Your spouse, your girlfriend, your future girlfriend, your friends, your family, your community, have you become a patriarch or a matriarch of prayer in your life. It's even interesting in the Jewish culture, many of you have heard about the Sabbath, right? This day of rest that in Jewish culture they take. It's interesting, even at the dinner, they have a dinner every Sabbath called the Shabbat. And at the Shabbat, what will happen is they light these candles. They all represent different things. But before they start eating, the, the husband or the father of the house calls over his wife and his children and he actually lays hands upon their head and he blesses them through prayer. That he extends this inheritance to them. That there's this idea that when you're a patriarch or a matriarch, you're speaking blessing over your family. You're contending for your family in prayer, right? We talked about this before. If, you're, if your family or your children or the friends close to you became the words that you called them, who would they become? And so that you would ask today, how am I being a patriarch or a matriarch of prayer within my family? And what strikes home to me, even as I talk about my family, this is what I've started to discover. I didn't know this. But my whole life, some of you guys know this, my dad, every day before my, my oldest brother, CJ, was born, started fasting every Friday. And he started praying for our lives and for our family, that God would build a new legacy, that he would build a new legacy. Not only did he pray for us, he prayed for our future spouses, who he did all of our weddings for us. Imagine that, going to meet your father-in-law, and he said, I've been praying for you your whole life a patriarch of prayer. And it's hard because sometimes you can't see what prayer is doing, but I firmly believe so much of those prayers have affected a legacy. And even for myself to carry on that legacy, you know what I'm, I'm doing for my own son, for my own wife, I'm contending for us in prayer. I've never prayed for anything more than I've already prayed for my son because I wanna be a prayer warrior for him, for this region, for this community, for this church. And it's interesting, even within that, what I discovered was I've actually had strangers come up to me at different churches, different church services. I had people that don't know me, know nothing about my family, and they come up to me praying for me. And as they were praying for me, they felt like the Lord showed them something about me. And so they started saying to me, I just feel like the Lord wants you to know one of the reasons you're doing what you're doing now with your life is because of the way your parents have prayed over your life. Do your parents follow Jesus? And I'm like, yeah, a little bit. And that's happened to me three times in my life. The third time was about two months before my son was born. And it convicted me to do this, to say, I want to carry on that legacy of prayer in my, in my family's life. Even with my mom, she was on bed rest with me when she was three months because she started going into labor early. And so she couldn't move. And she's told me in that six months, all I did was pray for you on the couch. And I gave your life to the Lord. What does it look like for you more than a great idea or principles for you to say, man, in the morning or at night, I will be someone who's on my knees asking God to protect my family, asking God to bless my children with a godly legacy. I've heard this line, if God answered your prayers, would it change your world or would it change the world? That we would be praying 
for a godly legacy, for Jesus to move within our family, that for those who maybe do not know the Lord, we would be praying for their salvation, that they would find hope in Jesus alone, and that Jesus would become the foundation that we build our family upon. I find it interesting, in life you cannot control your circumstances. Sometimes you can't control what's going on around you, but one thing you always can control is your prayer life. And what often happens, I believe the enemy just robs this idea of prayer from us and when things get hard or we feel like things aren't, answer, aren't answered, we can often give up and I would encourage each and every one of us today that when things get hard or it feels like nothing's changing, this isn't the time to give up, right? This is actually the time to draw nearer. This is actually the time to persist in prayer. That point two would be this, if you wanna change your legacy, you become a patriarch of prayer but you also persist in prayer. Jesus says this in Luke 18, it says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them. It's, it's interesting, when you read parables in the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Jesus is sharing these parables, which are stories and illustrations to explain what he's saying, he oftentimes explains the reason behind the parable. You can draw different meaning from it, but I, I'd caution you to pay attention when you're reading the scriptures. Jesus usually says, why he's saying what he's saying. And so in this, this parable, he does that. It says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. That's the purpose. And so this is how he explains it with a parable. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, who kept coming, right? Who kept coming. It says, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. You know what he's saying? He's like, I don't even care, but she's just bothering me so much with her persistence, I'm just gonna do what she wants, right? Like, I don't even care about what she wants, but she's just annoying me, so I'm just gonna give her what she wants. It's like your kids asking you for stuff in the, the grocery store. It's like, okay, stop crying. I'll just give you what you want. <laughs> Verse six, and the Lord said this, listen to what the unjust judge says and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth. I think there's a reason he ended asking that question because what I've discovered is when my faith is low, I often can stop praying because I don't think it's doing anything. I don't know if anything's changing. I don't really want to persist because my circumstances aren't really showing that anything is changing. And it's interesting to me being in full-time ministry, I, I feel like more and more I'm realizing I meet with a lot of people who don't believe in the power of prayer anymore. I meet with a lot of Christians who don't believe in a supernatural God who moves when we pray. That we have settled for intellectualism and good ideas, not that there's anything wrong with that, but we've forgotten about the supernatural power of prayer. And to demonstrate that, I think a lot of times the reason we might stop praying as we're not seeing an effect. We don't know if it's changing anything because prayer oftentimes is changing things in an unseen realm, right? And sometimes what you're praying for might manifest in the physical, but when you can't see something, sometimes it's hard to persist in what's going on. And to illustrate this, I thought, what, what, what makes sense? I, I brought my prayer gun. 
And I had one of these growing up and this one doesn't work as good as the one I, I bought, but it got here in one day from Amazon Prime. So I took advantage. But what goes on is this, it blows air. So I shoot this, right? I pull this back, right this. You ready? Yeah. It's gonna hurt. I'm kidding, it's not. <laughs> that was it. Did you feel it? Come on, come on. Oh, there he felt it. <laughs> Let me have someone with some hair right here. Let me see, are you, are you okay with this? Okay, you, have my, you gave me permission so you can't complain later. Do you feel it? Come on. Oh, yeah. There we go, we got, it's hard with the bike. And so I was thinking like, this is what prayer is like. I was like, you know, you go and pray and you pull it back and you let go. And you're like, did it do anything? <laughs> and you're like, I don't think so. I'm gonna stop doing that. And you, and you put it down. But here's the truth. Even if it was small, it's like you can't even see it. But through the atmosphere, this little vortex was formed and it's moving towards something. And there's this delay even in the middle because you don't see what it's doing. I like shooting people with hair because you can see a little bit of the whew. I have to get pretty close. But when it hits, you're like, oh, it actually did something, right? It shifted the atmosphere. And even though you can't see it, you can feel it, right? That something is shifting, something is changing. And the hard part is holding on to faith, right? That Something's actually gonna change as you continue doing it. It's kind of like this, this widow probably knocking on the door and the judge is like, get away from me. Nothing's changing, but instead of giving up, she actually persisted even more. And I thought, man, there's so many people that thought this doesn't work and they've put it down. And instead of saying, I'm gonna pick this up and fire it continually every day towards my life, towards the people that don't know Jesus, and most importantly, towards the legacy that God wants to build. And you even can, what you should do is you, is you put your scope up, because I need some focused prayer. I need, to, I need to aim it at what I'm aiming at, right? I'm, I'm gonna look through there, not randomly, but I'm gonna persist with intentionality about what God is doing. And I thought, man, that's what prayer is like. And when you're praying, you might think, is anything happening? But this is what I would say. Man, things are shifting in the atmosphere. God is doing something, even if you can't see it. I'm sure my parents, as they were contending for my life in prayer, there were days where they're like, I don't think these prayers are doing anything. But I firmly believe they've changed my life. And at certain points, you might be knocking and be like, I don't know if this is doing anything. God's moving, the atmosphere's shifting, and even though you can't see it, man, you can feel it. And I thought, there's power when just me doing this, but I thought, man, what if all of us had these guns? Right, and what turns into this little small concentrated thing starts to turn into a cyclone and a tsunami. That's what happens when the church starts praying. That's what happens in the atmosphere when the church starts praying, that God starts moving in a fresh way, and I would encourage each and every one of you to keep persisting in prayer. Maybe you're continually that, but maybe today you're saying, man, a part of this new legacy that God's gonna build through me, it's gonna start with a life of prayer that is contending, right? That God is doing something. I remember hearing this story, um, this, this pastor that I, that, that I knew in, in California, but recently, uh, uh, about 10 years back, he was a youth pastor at a church in Nevada, and he had his youth group 
that he was a pastor of and he had all of his kids and he said he brought them all together and they, they said to each other um, and they, he asked them the question, he said, who in your high school do you think is the person that's the most far from God and Jesus? And they said unanimously, there was one kid they all, they all talked about. He dressed a certain way, was an atheist. You know, he was just like vehemently opposed to God. And so he said, let's all start praying that he comes to know Jesus. And so he said they started praying. And I'm assuming the kids at first were like, nothing's changing. But the first thing's changed, which is gonna be my last point. Sometimes you might not see what prayer's doing on the outside, but God might wanna be changing something in you. And so they started seeing the kid differently. And they said eventually the kid started coming to their youth group and eventually he gave his life to Jesus. Eventually he started being a leader within the youth group and within the church. And this pastor was saying, you know who the lead pastor is of that church that I left? You know who it is now? It's the kid they were all praying for. That was far from Jesus. Come on, I heard that prayer, I was like, come on, come on. That's awesome. They're just, they're just pulling their little, their little prayer guns. You know what I mean? And I believe that's it. When you can't see it, sometimes it's hard to persist. But I know for me, with my family, man, every day, God, I wanna contend for my family in prayer. I wanna contend for what you're doing. But there's a reality that many of us have, have been there where it feels like, man, I've been praying for something and not only did I not see something happen, the opposite actually happened. Sometimes it can be with healing, right? Sometimes it can be a situation. I even have shared a little bit, even playing football. For me, I remember when I pulled my hamstring every day before I went out for practice, I would pray, God, protect my body and don't let me get hurt. And about 10 minutes later, I pulled my hamstring and my career was done. And I remember after being like, I guess that was just supposed to happen because <laughs> I was praying that it wouldn't. And so what often can happen is that, is, is that we actually start running away from God instead of gaining his perspective on the situation. And the last point would be this, if you wanna change your legacy, let prayer change your perspective. Because what I found within that story is, I was angry for a little bit, I've shared a little bit, I went back to God, and I remember him saying like, Cody, I'm still with you in this. I haven't left you. And more than that, the thing you were praying for and you wanted, the dreams I have for your life are so much bigger than just playing football. And that prayer started changing my perspective. I felt like the Lord started saying, the dreams you have for your life are so small. Just playing football, that's a, that's a small dream. I wanna use you for so much more. And true prayer, I believe, should always lead to a change in perspective. If you wanna know if a prayer meeting is really being led by the Spirit of God, people should leave different than when they entered because they encountered God and he gave them a new perspective about their situation, about what's going on, because here's the truth, that prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue. And if you believe in a God who's speaking, who, who can speak and who is near, you don't just make time to pray to him, you make time to hear from him, that God actually has a desire that you wouldn't just pray to him, but you would pray with him, right? That he would be intimately involved in what you're doing, that in prayer, we are actually aligning our hearts with God's heart. Right, so what does that look like in the sense of legacy? Have you ever gone to the Lord? Maybe, maybe this is your homework this week and just been away and just gotten to a place of solitude and maybe thoughts will arise in your mind, right? Or you'll, you'll think of something that the Lord will prompt something in you and say, God, what is the legacy you have for my life? And it's still small voice, right? It might sound like your own voice in your head, but you start having thoughts. Maybe it'll bring scripture to your mind. 
God, what do you think about my legacy? What do you want my legacy to be? Who am I to you? What do you think about my family? What does it look like for me to lead my family? Right, that I'm not just praying to God, he's actually starting to change the way I'm thinking about the people in my own family. Even with my own son, I have a Word document that I've saved on my computer. It's about three pages long now. And they're all thoughts of, from other people where they've been praying and felt like, man, I felt like God was saying this about your future son. They're, they're things from my mom that she's done that. Me and Jenna, we sat down and prayed, God, who is this son? Who, who did you create him to be? And I have a, a documentation of the things I believe God is saying about him. Why? Because I wanna always view him through the lens that God created him in. And so I felt like one of the things in, in his life, I won't get into a lot, but I feel like the Lord has told me this, don't shut down the wild in him. I felt like the Lord showed me he's gonna be an adventurer and he's gonna be crazy and you're gonna have this tendency to be like coddle him and be like, be safe. And he's like, I love that in him. And it's funny, I was praying about this before he was born and I'll tell you what, he is the most adventurous, determined kid ever. He's like learning the crawl. We'll look back and he's like in the other room. He just never stops. He grunts. He's like, ah. He just wants to move. He loves moving. He loves adventure. He loves it when we're out in nature. It's what he wants to do. And I'm like, man, my prayers for him have changed. I'm like, man, I wanna, I wanna be wind in the sails to that. I wanna adventure with him. That you would go before God and say, man, who, who do you view my, my children as? Even the children say, God, who did you create my, my parents to be that Kids in this room, you can be the patriarch in your family. We even have a story coming up of a girl in high school who shifted the whole, her whole family through her relationship with God. That prayer actually gives you the blueprints to what God wants to build. That take heart in this, you're not begging God to move, but you're intimately connecting with him in prayer as you're communicating to him in relationship that he wants you to have a great legacy more than you want a great legacy. He wants to see your kids flourish and walk with him and reach the world for his kingdom even more than you do. And so you don't have to beg him to move, you pray to him, but you also ask and let him change the perspective, say, God, show me how. Let me be a patriarch of prayer, a matriarch of prayer, and that that would change your life, that if you wanna change your legacy, become a, a prayer warrior. If you wanna change your legacy, persist in prayer. And if you wanna change your legacy, let prayer change your perspective. And so we actually have a beautiful illustration of this, um, a family from our Birmingham campus of God getting involved in their family and completely resurrecting a marriage and a family that looked on the brink of destruction. And so as we watch this video, we're gonna, we're gonna also invite our, our, our ushers down. We're gonna receive our offering. So if you came prepared to give, now's gonna be the time to do that. There's prompts on the screen. Many of you guys give online. We thank you so much for that. And how cool is even as, as Susan said, how many people ran, but even just people giving and donating that hundreds of people in Africa that we'll never meet will be receiving clean water within the years to come. That's what happens when you give here. But man, I encourage you to lean into this video because it's beautiful. And as you watch it, know this, what God did in their family, he can do in your family. That a new legacy can start today. Whether you feel like you had a broken family, everything's destructive, you're on your own, God can do something new. He can resurrect your life just like he resurrected the Moore's family's life. We were really wrapped up in the rat race. Greg was very focused on his career. A little bit of keeping up with the Joneses. I wanted the life to look a certain way from the outside. 
the focus in the family was really just getting the task done, getting the parenting task done, whether it was going to events or you know, changing diapers. It was almost like Tammy and I were just cohabitating. Ten or more years ago, I had called a friend and asked her to go for a walk with me. And my um, purpose for the walk was to get a divorce lawyer recommendation from her. She was surprised because we had painted a really nice external picture of our family and our marriage. She um, also asked me if we, Craig and I, would be interested in um, joining her at church. I went home anticipating that Greg would say no, and much to my surprise, he said, I'd love to. I'm not really sure what made me say yes. Something inside of me just didn't want to give up. At the service that we attended, we joined our friends. We were sitting with them, and um, the whole service was about marriage, and they finished the service with a clip from The Notebook, the movie The Notebook. Something touched both of us while we were sitting in the upper back auditorium at Birmingham. It just hit us to our core. We had a tender moment afterwards, we were both sobbing. And so at the end of the service, we stood in the auditorium embracing. And at that point, I just turned it over uh, and recognized that uh, we couldn't do it alone. And we needed to make God the center of our marriage. And uh, that was really the only thing we could do. That was what we needed at that time to sort of tear down the walls that we had built up enough to say, like, do we have something here that we're willing to work on to save? So while we're trying to figure out our marital problems and what our future's gonna look like, Meredith is sort of on her own journey, and she gets invited to Spring Hill, which I had never heard of, knew nothing about, and her friends were going, and she wanted to go, and we're like, great, go to summer camp. Sounds fantastic. I just loved going to camp and feeling close to God, and they talked about, oh, you can have that in your everyday life, you know? Just give your life to Jesus. And I was like, oh, great, sign me up. I go to pick her up, and her counselor approaches me, and she says, Meredith has something she wants to tell you. And Meredith comes up, and she says, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And I told my mom, and she started crying, and I was so excited going home. I got really choked up at the time. I got a lump in my throat and, you know, tears in my eyes, and I really have no idea why, because at that time, I really didn't understand what that was. Uh, at that point, I kind of, as the leader of the family, said, what? She's leading the way? That's not right. It's supposed to be me. So I did a lot of self-examination at that point and said, I really need to step up my game and rebuilding with Christ at the center. Over a few years after starting to go to Kensington and continuing to go to Spring Hill camps, um, there was definitely a difference. 
I think in the way that we would talk to each other. At first it was really hard for me to talk to my parents about my faith. I just felt so awkward. But after a while, it became a regular conversation about, you know, what we were going through and where we were at in our walk with Christ. I couldn't let her walk on that journey alone. I couldn't let her as a father constantly wonder why her parents were so divergent from that walk that she was on. Um, and so it really encouraged me, and I know it encouraged Tammy, to lead both kids uh, and to lead our marriage where it needed to go. Every time we stumbled, uh, someone was there. Meredith often was there in a, in a really unspoken way. You know, you'd see her on task with uh, reading the Bible. You'd see her on task with giving grace to friends when they really didn't deserve it. And staying so strong to those principles and values that um, a dad shouldn't have to look to his 12-year-old daughter to model behavior. I needed to be the model for her. They've told me a lot of times that I've been a big influence on their faith, but I really had no idea. I just wanted to tell them what was going on in my life and how great it was. It never really crossed my mind that I was having an impact on them. So for Mitchell and I, you know, as I'm thinking about what I can do for the father-son relationship uh, different than, um, than I was doing, which was, you know, trying to be a pal, um, coaching every sporting uh, activity I could for him. We needed something that had a faith base to it. So um, I knew about a study called ManQuest, led by some members of the local community, um, and we dove into that um, with some of his buddies, um, some of the dads that I knew in the Kensington community, and we walked through that study together. And it was a pivotal moment, I think, for our relationship. So had we not gotten the invitation, church and I had left that walk with the name and number of a divorce lawyer, I would most likely not be married to my husband. <laughs> we would not be leading the marriage mentor team at Kensington, Birmingham. Our kids would have a different legacy. And not one that I would be proud of, probably. I think if we look back, we see how that legacy is very different um, than it could have been. It wasn't instant. We work daily, consciously, on what that legacy will look like. And do we stumble a lot? And the kids know that, and they see that, and we talk about it. But we're on that journey together. To be able to look back when they're young adults and say, I did the very best I could do, I've given them all the tools, and I really hope that they fly with it now. When a lot of things have been crumbling, my family has always been there as my rock. If I need them, they'll always be there to pray for me or let me cry on their shoulder.
incredible story. You know, it's interesting walking up and you see that picture of them and you're like, they look perfect. You know, you get to hear a little bit of the behind the scenes and I'm, I'm sure things aren't perfect now, but there's power in their family that wasn't there before. And that power is Jesus and he's bringing resurrection to their family. And so for some of you here today, you might be carrying on a legacy. You might be starting a new legacy. You might be in here watching that video and be like, well, I got the divorce. You might feel like your family's broken, like there's no hope. But here's the truth. You can't change your past, but your future can look totally different as you walk out of here today. And it might not be overnight, but by the power of Jesus available to you through his son, through his spirit, he can start to build the new life. And for some of you, I really believe this, that what that might mean, it might mean, man, maybe it's after service up here with some people. Maybe it's in your room late tonight. Maybe it's tomorrow. But it's getting on your knees and just saying in complete honesty and rawness before the Lord, my life's a mess right now and I need you to make it new. And I wanna follow you and I'll do whatever you want and I'll be whoever you want me to be. I give my life to you. Because the truth is, surrender is the key that will unlock the door to your destiny. And I would encourage all of you, whatever that prayer is you need to make, that you would contend for your family in prayer. And I thought, you know, I, we're gonna have a corporate moment of prayer um, and, and we're gonna give everyone a chance to say, man, as we're wrapping up this series, I want my family to be built on Jesus and I, I, I wrote us a prayer as a, as a family, as a church to say, man, I want this prayer to be a reality in my family. But I also thought for some of you, you might be in a place of like, what does it even look like to pray for my family? And I thought in a teaching aspect, like I, I do this for my family every day. And I remember points in my life, prayer is not about how fancy your words sound or how perfect it is. I believe it's about bringing your heart to God. And for all of us in this room, wherever you're at with Jesus, man, I remember the first time I prayed out loud, it was the scariest thing I ever did. I remember the first time with my wife, she was, you know, became a believer, didn't grow up really going to church that much. And I remember praying with her at my, my house in college. And I said, why don't you pray out loud? And she'd never prayed out loud before. And she's like, I was so nervous and so scared. But we, we, were, we were continuing and we were starting new legacies. And so I almost wanted to give a demonstration for some of you, like, I don't know what to pray. Just show up and bring your heart. Just show up and bring your heart. Gather your family tonight in your family room. And just say, God, we want you to be a part of what we're doing. But I thought in the sense of demonstration, I want us all to pray, but I'm just gonna pray so you can be like, man, here's an idea of what it looks like. And so for me every day, what it might look like is this. Father, man, I thank you for my wife, Jenna. She is such an amazing gift in my life. And I pray that even when I don't feel like it because I wanna be remembered that. But God, thank you for Jenna that sees such an amazing gift that you have chosen her for me. And I pray that you would protect her, that you would fill her with your peace and with your presence, God, that she would fully walk in everything you have for her, God, that she would know that she's a good mom and that you care for her and that you love her and that you surround her, God. And I pray for my son, Bryce. I have so many things I pray for him. But God, I pray for my son, Bryce. I pray that you would anoint him to reach the world for your kingdom. I thank you that you've made him a world change. God, I thank you that his voice is valuable. And I pray that you teach me how to be his father, God, how to raise him and to be the person that you've created him to be, that I would be able to be a vessel for that, God. But I pray that you would bless our family, that you would cover our house with your blood, that you would fill our rooms with your presence, Jesus, that people would come over to our house and they'd know that you're alive here, God. Jeez, I'm breaking down, sorry. It's usually not that emotional in my house. 
But you would just go to God and you start contending for what he's going to do. And I'm telling you, man, there's days where I'm like, is this doing anything? But I firmly believe it's doing more than you could ever know. And God's doing more than you know. And for some of you, he invited you here today because he's like, man, I want to do something new with your life. I want to build a new legacy. And I know for me, I'm carrying a legacy. I want to carry it and bring it farther than it's ever gone before. By his power, not by my strength, but by the power of Jesus. And there was power in his name. And I want to bring up for a second, the last service, I just made them read this. And now I'm like, I should probably let you guys know what I want you to say before you say it. But if you guys would, would you put the, the, the prayer prompt for us on the screen? This is, if I'm gonna read this and then I want us to all read it together. And as I read it, if you're saying, man, I want that for my family. For some of you, it might be the first time you're saying that. For some of you, it might be like, man, I pray that all the time. Is, this is what I want us to pray is this. Jesus, today I commit my life and my family to you. We believe that you are the rock and foundation upon which our family will be built. We confess our sins and thank you that you are always faithful to forgive. We ask that you would... You would cleanse generational lines and restore to our family the purposes and blessings you have for us. We ask you for a godly legacy. We ask that you would use our family to reach the world for your kingdom. We ask for your protection and covering. We ask that love would abound in our houses and people would feel your love in our homes. We give you our whole hearts and ask you to be a part of our family. Have your way in my life. We are all yours. Our house will serve the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if that's you today, you read that and you're like, man, I want that for my family. Whether you're a father, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're a mother, you're starting a new legacy. If, 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 if you're like, man, I want those words to be true in my family, what I'm asking you to do is just to stand up as we close. We're gonna, we're gonna end a song singing resurrecting, declaring that Jesus can resurrect. But if, if, you, want, if you want to stand up, now you're getting the peer pressure to stand up if you're not. Positive peer pressure. But let's just read this together. Why don't you guys read this with me and we're gonna end just declaring that Jesus is victory and that he's resurrecting our lives, our families. And so let's read this together. There we go. Jesus, today I commit my life and my family to you. We believe that you are the rock and foundation upon which our family will be built. We confess our sins and thank you that you are always faithful to forgive. We ask that you would cleanse generational lines and restore to our family the purposes and blessing you have for us. We ask you for a godly legacy. We ask that you would use our family to reach the world for your kingdom. We ask for your protection and covering. We ask that love would abound in our houses and people would feel your love in our homes. We give you our whole hearts and ask you to be a part of our family. Have your way in my life. We are all yours. Our house will serve the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, let's sing this out together with everything you've got.